Tell me this <laughs> fucked story about your nan. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's, it's probably not that, that weather. But, yeah, so she calls me up and like, I got no big pond. Yeah. What? Like, it says my big pond's disconnected. I got no email. I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, I was like in, in Civic getting coffee or something. Nice. And I just planned, just bought a whole bunch of groceries and I planned to go home and like cook <laughs> a big batch of curries and shit before this thing. Yep. Fuck. And so I thought like, man, the, 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 the scope of stuff that I can get Nan to do, Nana to do. Over the phone. That over the phone that are potential plausible fixes to her problem that she'll be able to carry out and understand how to do. Your very, options very, very limited. limited. Yep. So I thought like, um, all right, what lights are on the, um, on the router? She goes, on the what? I go, yeah. uh, the uh, white, I'll be there in the, the, an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to admire my, my persistence for trying in front of the five minutes. I was like, the white t- Telstra box. Um, She's outside. She goes, oh. <laughs> Looking at <laughs> no, power she goes, lines. <laughs> she goes, yeah, there's lights. There's a green one. I'm like, oh, a light for what? She goes, oh, phone. Okay. I'm like, right. Are there others? She goes, yeah, there are others. I'm like, fuck this. Um, and I thought like, and I thought, like, maybe she can just reset her router. So I was like, oh, okay, how about you turn that off? And I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. Because then I realized she was she was talking to me on her landline and her landline goes through, nice. the, through the router. Yeah, <laughs> and immediately <laughs> gone. And l- on, luckily I caught myself, but she was like, all right, so I'll just unplug it, Will. I'm like, no, no, no. Because <laughs> last time I was there and I tried that and it, like, tanked her phone for, like, an hour and it wouldn't let me leave. She wouldn't let me leave until I fixed her phone oh, as well. Fuck. So I thought, fuck, that is going to guarantee me a one-way ticket to fix that shit on a public holiday. So, because I was like, no, no, because that's going to ruin your phone. And she goes, yeah, I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Who's calling <laughs> who, okay? <laughs> so then Shut I, um, the fuck up, I, Nan. <laughs> and so then I asked her to um, go to her computer and just Google something. She goes, what? It, uh, it just Goog- does Google load? And she goes, to me, she goes, yeah, there you go. Google. Right now. <laughs> no, no, now, search, search anything. She goes, search what? Anything. <laughs> the word anything is fine. <laughs> fuck. I think she did, and I, <laughs> but she was having trouble hearing me. And I was like, "No, just search, search for anything—cats or dogs or or, or church or Canberra or something." Yep. She goes, "All right, I'll search big pond." Okay, like, big pond, and sure enough, it works. I'm like, does it work? She goes, "Does it what? Does it work, Nana? Does, does what work? Does Google work? What is it? Is it getting you results?" At all? That shit for like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I eventually just give up and go to her place. And so she's got internet, but her email doesn't work. When you open up the email, is that, she, in, is she in, in. Web, web, web client or is she in local desktop? She's got like client? a, she's got like a, like an app, like the app for it. She's desktop client. Okay. On the app. Yeah. And I, I called dad on the way and be like, hey, I'm going to Nan, Nana's place because her internet's fucked. She says you were there a couple of days ago. What's the story? Is there anything I could do? And dad's like, oh, yeah, I was there to do something else, but like she couldn't remember any of her passwords for anything. So oh, I no. Really, I couldn't really help her with stuff. Like dad, dad was there to um, install Zoom on her computer and she, she couldn't get it to work because she didn't know the password to her computer to install it. Um, so I get there and I open up the email and it's like, please log into your Telstra Big Pond account. Like, Fuck. Another fucking password. And I said, and Anna like... Now, do you know this password? She goes, yeah, it's right there on the sticky note. And there's this sticky note stuck on the bottom left of her computer. And that's the password that she says is a big pond. And that's the password that dad said is her big pond account. Okay. And I try that about 10 fucking times. And every time it does not work. It's, okay. it's, I'm logging in and it's like, no, username or password is incorrect. And I'm trying that and like big letters and little letters. And I'm asking dad what it says. Like he's handed it on because it all capitals. What the fuck? Um, about 20 minutes in. I click in the username field and realize that there was a space after her email address. Yep. Why the fuck was there a space there? 
And so, <laughs> so it was like a username plus a space. And I had been typing in the correct email, the correct email address, the correct password for the better part of the last 20 minutes over and over and over again. Good. Without any... Oh, I could have screamed. Well, it's funny that it was literally one character. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's something I would never have been able to diagnose over the phone. No. But now... You'll ask about it. Is there a space, Nana, after your fucking email address? (laughs) Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Let's jump on into it. Front of the week. How you doing, boy? Oh, good. We ready to talk about? Uh, I, I completely forgot how I, how I normally start this. <laughs> I, always start I, think, the I feel like we don't have a good. Um, you don't. We so don't you've, do we? you've got your intro, and then you throw to me to say my name. Sometimes I say it in yep. a goofy way. Sometimes I keep it normal. Despite I broke my vow <laughs> to always do a goofy one, but and then <laughs> God the problem is, I'm implicitly thrown back to you, but we don't have something bottled up. To uh, to always bounce off that on, so I feel <laughs> well, like sometimes we're both gonna, just like, yeah. I'm gonna remember that this time. I, I, I feel like every week I want to make an effort to explain what the fuck the podcast is. Right. So here we go. This is that. Um, this is of course our movie podcast where every week we uh, pick a movie of the week that's either a new release, an old classic, or some oddball thing in between. This week we are watching, or well, we watched a couple old Paul Verhoeven movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of classic 80s, 90s sci-fi cinema. We watch Robocop and Total Recall. We'll talk about those later in the show. In the meantime, we'll tell you what else we've been watching this week, what else we've been getting up to. We'll get through some news and current affairs, all that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, what do you reckon, boy? We'll start off with a bit of news. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm ready to talk about some news. <laughs> so, well, good. <laughs> that, that, that's good. Could go for some. Uh, could go for some news. Now, tell me, Oscar. You got any... <laughs> You got any news? <laughs> Have I got any news? Have you got news for me? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, have you got news for me? No, I'm asking. <laughs> I fucking hope you do. But the way that you are okay, cool. frantically tapping on your phone screen makes me think perhaps you don't. <laughs> no, no, I do. We're, we're, we're all good. I'm we're getting good. like almost like a... Um, Apollo 13, like, view from the console of the astronaut <laughs> view of you just, like, smacking the screen. <laughs> All right, cool. Here we go. Houston, um, there's no fucking news. Well, let's let's roll the music and see what I find in the middle of this. <laughs> Beef bulletin. All right, first headline out of the gates here is that Tiger King Joe Exotic has lost his zoo to Carol Baskin. In a court ruling. Did you wow. see this? No, I didn't. Uh, uh, Carol Baskin's Big Cat Rescue. So this is, of course, um, in relation to the Netflix Tiger King documentary series. If you haven't seen it, you're going to be a little bit lost. But basically... Uh, nah, fuck it. If you haven't seen nah, it, you're going to be lost. Right. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Exotic, bad tiger man. Carol Baskin, good tiger lady. That's yeah. what I've gotten from the first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, Carol Baskin's big cat rescue was given control of the of Joe Exotic's zoo in Oklahoma on Monday in lieu of payment of a $1 million trademark judgment. Reading straight from The Hollywood Reporter here, it okay. says that... Um, 
Joe Exotic was ordered to pay Big Cat Rescue nearly a million dollars to resolve a two-year-old trademark infringement lawsuit right. where um, Joe Exotic used uh, logos and images that were very similar to Carol Baskin's that she owned for Big Cat Rescue. She sued him for trademark infringement, and so he was ordered to pay a million dollars, and he didn't pay up, so she gets his zoo now. Fuck. How wild is that? I thought that, well, that, <laughs> what's wild is that the zoo's owned by other people now anyway. So, and oh, I, I'd, other, I'd never finished the documentary. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think, well, he's in jail, right? So it's clearly owned by other people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there you go. But that's crazy. There you go. Okay. Yeah. There we go. There you go. Um, next headline uh, Ari Aster yep. has detailed his next project. It's headline from Director of Hereditary in Midsummer. Yeah, the headline from the playlist here says, Ari Aster says his next project is a four-hour nightmare comedy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, interesting. Recently, recently, Aster was interviewed by the Associated Students Program Board at University of Santa Barbara. And during the interview, he discussed that his previous film, he discussed his previous film work, but also teased what might be coming in the future. While he didn't go into immense detail, he said his next project is a nightmare comedy with an extended runtime that's going to be about four hours long. What if it's a four-hour comedy and he's just saying already straight up, it's a nightmare? <laughs> it's not funny at <laughs> You're all. You're stuck in a theatre for four <laughs> hours. Nothing could be worse than that. And it's a comedy. Yeah, movie. God. Um, <laughs> well, it, uh, this this, this very... article points out that he... Hey? I wonder if that's so. I wonder if he's if that's something like Cabin in the Woods. Is that the type of thing that he's going for then? Because like, um, he's got almost no humor in his other films, right? We haven't seen much yeah. out of Ari Aster in well, terms of comedy. I, I saw a comment on Reddit when I found this when I found this article where someone was like, "Yeah, but his his other films are basically nightmare comedies anyway." And I thought, "Are they?" <laughs> Actually, Midsummer is really funny. It's um, who's that yeah. guy with the weird face? The kid that looks like Sid from Toy Story. It's going to say that gives me a very broad scope. You mean in, in Midsummer? Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. That that character um, is yeah. quite is quite funny, and there's a few funny moments in Midsummer. I feel <laughs> like they right. they all sort of come in the first third, um, while the characters are all still around. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, maybe we have seen a little more comedy than we think. So okay, cool. Keen to see how that goes. Yeah, this article points out that he's also he also said that Midsummer was going to be three hours long and he ended up cutting it down. So maybe maybe he always just starts off with a lot more footage and people have to sweet talk him into cutting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you've got to yeah, you've got to have a hell of a studio backing to let you make a four hour movie. <laughs> Uh, so we've got more new details about the new Avatar movies. Oh yeah. Uh, John Landau, uh, a producer, has shared a few details about what we can expect from the story. Um, we already know that uh, Jake Sully is coming back, as is Zoe Saldana's character Neytiri. And if you don't remember Big those Blue characters. Lady. Fucking neither do I. <laughs> no, I remember Jack Avatar Sully. was approximately 15 years ago. <laughs> Literally 11 years ago. I know, How wild yeah. is that? I meant to be way more exaggerative, but then I just said 15 as like <laughs> a wild guess. It was like, no, it was still, it's more than yeah. a decade. It says here, Jake and Neytiri have a family in this movie and they are forced to leave their home. They go out and explore different regions of, regions of Pandora, including spending quite a bit of time on the water, around the water and in the water. <laughs> Um, James On, Cameron being sponsored by Big Water. water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this would be a good. This would be a good approach. A good he just time wanted like to a, get a back Fuji to the submarines, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be a good opportunity for like a, an Evian or a Fiji water sponsorship. I think. 
Well, okay, so my so the message behind the original Avatar was like this anti-colonial, like obviously it had some problems environmentalist with the whole thing, yeah. thing, but like yeah, mostly it was like an environmentalist piece and an anti-colonization piece. And so I wonder if this is going to be like um, looking at the it's fuck it. This is my pro-colonization. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah! This yeah. is this is the they both go sides. in on and around the sea and then they invade. <laughs> A third race's land, and uh, yeah, have a civil war there. Um, the no, I was Jake just wondering Jake if it'll Sully be like sails halfway across Pandora and declares Terra Nullius on some fucking yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Um, well, it it might just be about all of the shit that we're actually doing to the oceans here, but similarly allegorical. Yeah. Like you know, maybe there's some huge. What's the Avatar Pandora's equivalent of the huge Pacific garbage patch? Yeah, <laughs> a big. He goes and takes a blue, whatever Avatar drink instead of like fucking Corona Light that have little yeah, blue, yeah. little plastic rings on it. Yeah. Get stuck around Pandora sea turtles and shit. Yeah, fuck. Um, there's a bloke that's in these Avatar movies, David Th- uh, Th- Thulis. You'd yeah, know his I, face if I you saw him. You. Yep. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's Lupin from um, Harry Potter. David Thulis. Yep. Yeah, that guy. He says he's not in Avatar 2, but he's in 3, 4, and 5. Well, uh, <laughs> that's that's odd. Uh, apparently, they've, they've been filming Avatar 2 and 3 at the same time. Right. Um, <sighs> yeah, and he, he announced that because someone, someone, clarified, someone announced that he's in Avatar 2, and he said, no, no, I'm in Avatar 3, 4, and 5, but <laughs> <laughs> not 2. Yeah. Uh, Ah, <clears throat> oh, God. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I yeah. I I I'm um. I've shocked myself. I'm I'm slightly warming to the idea of seeing those movies. I mean, I don't want there to be six of them. Um, well, yeah. It, but it got I me literally think that- I saw the first Avatar in cinemas and never again. I think I never saw it again. Yeah. So well, I, it was yeah. I'm Avatar not- started that whole right, whole uh 3D new fad of 3D films that were actually good 3D in the cinema. Like before, because before that, the 3D movies were like blue and red glasses, yeah. I think. And I it, think yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it wasn't very popular. Spike Avatar like 3D. popularized like, t- yeah, exactly. I think, I'm pretty sure Avatar was one of the big films that popularized 3D cinema. It's so funny to think way. of how much money, like I think Avatar 1 is the highest grossing film of all time. Maybe Endgame surpassed yeah, it, but so. I think worldwide it still actually might be. For a long time it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so funny to think how much money cinemas around the world had to spend on this like new way of watching <laughs> cinema. This is the way that we watch movies now. They're only going to be in 3D. It's clearly superior. We've added the newest dimension to films. They're no longer only two-dimensional. They ne- you now must involve a Z-axis in, your, in all of your films. <laughs> Fuck and, yeah. and then like four years later, everyone was like, oh, it actually sucks. Mm. <laughs> yeah um oh, i don't want God. this anymore i'm happy with my screens uh yeah, yeah. pretty pretty funny um little quote here from david Thulis. Uh, i don't know how to pronounce his fucking name Thulis. david Thulis. yep Thessalonius himself says um uh in the describing how bizarre it is working with motion capture he said yeah it's the complete opposite people tell me oh you're gonna love it it's like doing theater it's not like doing theater it's not like doing film either (laughs) motion capture is bizarre you're in this velcro suit all day with a camera right in your face all day every day if you sit down for too long you have to be recalibrated and if you touch anyone else you get stuck to them because you're all made of velcro (laughs) it's really funny (laughs) 
It's fairly uncomfortable. You don't know what's going on or where you are, and it's baffling. But therefore, it's novel and super interesting because you've never because you're never bored. It's quite a thing. Um, I hadn't thought about that. So the way that they do um, mocap of faces is that they that's what that camera like right in your face is. Yeah. But it does mean you've got a yeah. GoPro like right on your forehead that's just <laughs> all the time. You're trying to have like these really sincere emotional moments, and there's just like this blinking red light going nuts in front of you. <laughs> Fuck, it's gonna you need be to find people weird. with strong brows to support. The yeah, yeah, yeah. structural. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I got end of the article. Well, it makes me admire. Um, <laughs> people who like video game uh actors now as well because those people have yeah. to record like 40 times as much content as a lot of movie actors oh yeah it's fucking like, all, crazy I, I remember watching lots of videos about how they do that when um la noir came out because that was a that made a big deal about like facial, facial capturing and all that yeah. sort of shit yeah and uh, um last of us <laughs> is uh incredible because that's like the, the the acting in that is as good as in a film and so, like, uh, I just started playing Last of Us again uh, in preparation man. for um, Last of Us Two coming out nineteenth. Last of June. Us Two, it's coming out soon. That's the yeah. End I don't think I'm going to make it we'll in see eleven days. <laughs> oh god! Uh, the end of this article then announces uh, then reminds us, of course, that Avatar Two is scheduled to come out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Avatar Three is going to come out in 2023, 2025 for Avatar Four, and 2027 for Avatar Five. And my face is melting off my skull. Okay. Which I, I believe it when I see it, because that means that he's made four times as many Avatar movies in the next ten years as he did in the last. Yeah, I, in the last go. Apparently, he sat on all of these scripts and sort of wrote all of them at once. Okay. I Which think I, I don't know. I've also I, heard I liked that it he's, when I watched it, he's a very uncompromising director, and so I think maybe yeah. part of the reason it's taken so long is because studios kept trying to get him to agree shit, and he was just like, no. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm not making any judgments on it um, because uh, I was listening to some people talk about Avatar recently, and um, I, I think I'm kind of disillusioned with like modern day blockbusters, um, like yeah. obviously you know the Marvel films and stuff. But um, I think this one might have been just before they got quite as cynical as I feel like they are now. So, <laughs> well, maybe, he, maybe they were all the same bullshit, but this was one of the first one. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, maybe, um, but it feels like they've gotten worse. And so, like, if the tone, if that tone is, I, th- I think it, they've stayed the same when you've stopped watching them and have become more disillusioned with them. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, maybe it's a mix of both. But um, James Cameron has a better message in his films than I think a lot of people usually do. Um, like, you know, yeah. for example, like a lot of his villains are mega corporations. Um, which like isn't deep analysis, but you know what I mean. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, I'm I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm vaguely vaguely interested. But <laughs> I was uh, listening to the Total Recall, the Total Reboot podcast because they did. I'm going to refer to Total Recall as Total Reboot five hundred times. <laughs> There's another yeah. episode. I where suppose they, that's what the reference is, isn't it? To yes, the title. it is. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, um, it's. I think you're a stupid person for not picking up on that. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, ne- next headline here. Um, reading from NME. <clears throat> Uh, Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson reveals that Sean Bean's iconic uh, Mordor speech was being read on camera. <laughs> uh, quote, uh, that entire yes, speech had been written. No, no, but like, so that entire <laughs> speech was written the night before. Lord of the uh, Rings director Peter Jackson reveals that the eye, the one must, the one does not simply walk into Mordor speech, which has become one of the decade's biggest memes and iconic speeches from that movie. Uh, was written at the very last minute the night before it was being scheduled to be filmed. Uh, 
That entire speech that Sean had to deliver at the Council of Elrond was written the night before, Peter Jackson explained. We gave it to Sean the morning he arrived. What Sean did, which I thought was very clever, is he got a printout of the speech taped to his knee. And when he does the scene and looks down like that. He looks that, down a bunch. With his hand. It's, it's because the speech is on his leg. Jesus. And he's, and he's reading the script on camera. That is, that is, that's crazy. That's How awesome. good is that? It's almost like he's like, <laughs> I can't hold it because like you'll hear the paper rustling and stuff. So <laughs> just got to have it taped tape. it to his leg. That's, I guess it's good almost shit. a teleprompter. But yeah, yeah, You're God. Right. Having, tape, taping a piece of paper to your leg is almost the same as a teleprompter, isn't it? I fucking love that. I would love to know like how many other. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic, like but that. I think it is almost a teleprompter. So it's fuck fucking not. You. <laughs> um. I I, th- I think that's excellent. I <laughs> I would love to know what other iconic scenes from film history are um are also uh are, like, are also actors just reading. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know how often that type of thing happens. You know the the Batman scene, the where are they scene? That's that's just a yeah yeah <laughs> just taped to the front of his visor, yeah. shit like that. You know, taped to taped to the back of his fists. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but also not bad dialogue for like written the night before. Yeah, good shit. Hey. Feels a bit like um, lightning. Also, in a though, it's, surely it's surely it's lifted somewhat from the book, right? I mean, you would think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next headline here. One of the last ones I've got is that there is going to be a Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. Great. Who knew? We did. We knew. We would have called it years ago. I reckon. Well, it's the uh, with tails, right? Because that's a stinger at the end of the last movie. Surely. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it probably would be. Yeah, but, you know, you can surely. put a stinger in a movie and then not be contractually How much obligated did the Sonic to follow movie up on that. Make? Oh, I don't want to know. Too much. However, however much it is, it's too much. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just curious about, like, yeah, how much money they have to play around with. Okay, so its budget was, like, 81 to 95 mil, and apparently it made 306 mil, so that's a huge success. So, okay, not surprised at all that that's getting a sequel. Cool. Yeah, right. It okay. wasn't bad. It was fine. <laughs> I'm kind I probably of upset won't. that it made that much money. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably won't see the sequel. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, right. Do yeah. you want to round out by uh, reading out, doing a bit of this Robert Pattinson article? I know we've both read it, but I think it's worth going through. Yeah, if you haven't heard it. Um, All right. So this is uh, this is sent to me by uh, a while friend ago. of the show, friend of the show, Anna, who uh, told me about this crazy ass GQ interview that Robert Pattinson had done. Um, just a little while ago that apparently went viral. I'd never seen it and I was <laughs> looking it up just for this pod and I thought it was worth reading out as a, as a, a spiritual successor to that episode where we read out that Nicolas Cage interview. We got to start at the uh, the Cushini bit, right? That's yeah, all so that's... I'm skipping straight to yeah, this past yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so bas- basically this, this journalist was video chatting with Robert Pattinson over the course of several days and sort of getting to know him. Um, gets towards the end of this article and they've been sort of talking about what they've been doing in isolation a lot. Uh, and it gets to this this bit of the article here, which I'll read now. Anyway, the, the story Robert tells to preface what he's about to do is roughly this. Last year, he says he had the, he had a business idea. What if he said to himself, pasta really had the same kind of fast food credential as burgers and pizza? I don't like the phrase he's, fast food credentials. <laughs> he says I was I was trying to figure out how to capitalize in this area of the market, and I was trying to think how do you make pasta which you can hold in your hand? Oh God. <laughs> He says he went as so far as That's to design a pizza. <laughs> he said he went so far as to design a prototype that involved the use of a panini press, and then he said he went further by setting up a meeting with a Los Angeles restaurateur. Um, 
says he told this guy his business plan is and, and this this chef's facial expression didn't change the whole way through let alone acknowledge what he'd said afterwards yeah, there was absolutely God. no sign of anything from him literally so it kind of put me off a bit uh, nevertheless Pattinson says he yeah, can see my favorite part is the journalist followed up with the journalist he's like he's weaving in these little things where he's like I I, I really don't know if yeah. Robert is fucking with me or not. I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if this is like a deep bit or what. But then he follows up with the chef that Robert pitched this to and the yeah, chef yeah. says, it's a, this is 100% true. He, we had that conversation. <laughs> it's crazy-ass conversation. Uh, and so he says, he had, nevertheless, Pattinson says he, could, he conceived of a brand name for his product, a soft little moniker that kind of summed up what he thought his pasta creation looked like. Piccolini Cuscino, little <laughs> pillow. Uh, he thought he'd give it, give the product another go, and so he's offered to do it. So he did it on front of the, on the Zoom call with this journalist. He's hoping so for he, like angel investors to come in based on him including it as part of this GQ interview. Yeah. <laughs> so he's cooking it for the journalist like over over Skype to video. show him what's and so what the it journalist is, yeah. the journalist describes to, describes here what Robert Pattinson is pulling out of this shopping bag. One giant filthy dust covered box of cornflakes. Quote, I went to the shop and they didn't sell breadcrumbs and I'm like, "Oh, fuck it. I'm just getting cornflakes. That's basically the same shit." <laughs> Uh, next, one incredibly large novelty lighter. I always like the idea of doing a little flambe, like the, like the brand name with kind of burnt ends at the top. Nine packets of pre-sliced cheese. I got, <laughs> the, the quote here is, I got like nine packs of pre-sliced cheese. <laughs> the, the author of this article is really good. Really good. Uh, source. Like a tomato sauce? Oh, just any sauce. Any sauce. <laughs> he puts on latex gloves. He pulls out some sugar and some aluminium foil and makes a bed, a kind of hollowed out sphere with the foil. He holds up a box of penne pasta that he just had in the house. All right, Pattinson says. So obviously, first things first, you've got to microwave the pasta. Oh, <laughs> fucking psychopath, <What>? man. <laughs> I watch as he pours dry penne into a cereal bowl, covers it with water, and places it in the microwave for eight minutes. <sighs> he says... <laughs> He says using penne is already new territory for him. Usually he uses, well, uh, uh, do you know that the pasta that's uh, sort of like a little, it's like a little blob, uh, a sort of squiggly blob? Gnocchi? No, 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 no. It looks like, uh, what would you even call it? It looks like a sort of messy, uh, like, like the hair bun on a girl. I have literally no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I say. I reckon he's talking about orecchietti for those playing at home. <laughs> Oh, there was one type of pasta that worked. It definitely wasn't penne. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, penne and water in the microwave for yep. eight minutes. In the meantime, he takes the foil and he begins dumping sugar on top of it. <sighs> I, fa- I found I found after a lot of experiment after a lot I found out after a lot of experimentation that you really need to congeal everything in an enormous amount of sugar and cheese. And so after the congeal <laughs> in an enormous <laughs> amount of sugar oh, and cheese. So after the sugar, he op- he opens his first package of ch- packet of cheese and begins layering slice after slice onto the sugar foil. Then more sugar. It really does need a sugar crust. He then realizes that he's forgotten the outer layer, which yep. is supposed to be breadcrumbs, but yep. today will be crushed up cornflakes. So what he was doing <laughs> was packing. He had this thing lined with sugar, and he was packing cheese into it, like a and little spherical like, lasagna of cheese. Right, and then he was like, "Oh shit, the outside is just gonna be sugar." Because I forgot the breadcrumbs. 
which oh, are God. actually cornflakes. So then, so then he, then he realizes he forgot the outer layer, which is supposed to be breadcrumbs, but today will be crushed up cornflakes. Yep. So he lifts the pile of cheese and sugar and crumbles some cornflakes oh. under the aluminium foil, sort of tucking it back in there oh, before placing some sugar, before placing the sugar cheese back on oh, top. The sugar then adds, cheese. He then adds the sauce, which is red. The microwave dings, and Pattinson promptly burns himself on the bowl of pasta. <laughs> He sighs heavily, looking at it. No idea if it's cooked or not. He dumps the pasta in anyway. At this point, his spirits have visibly begun to flag. This is this is what every this is the process <laughs> that every British person that's ever cooked goes oh, through every meal they've ever cooked. I'm dying for the video of this to be released. Yeah. It sounds like he's a broken man at this point. Because like, I mean, there's absolutely no chance this is going to work. Absolutely none. <laughs> the little pillow now is mostly built. He pours up. He pours more sugar on top of it, and then produces the top half of a bun, which he hollows out and places on top of the rest of whatever the hell this thing is, like a burger and, bun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and begins burning the top of the bun with the giant novelty lighter. Oh I'm just going to do the initials. You look like you're cooking meth, I say, because he does. <laughs> I'm really trying to sell this company. I'm doing this. For, I'm doing this for my brand. At this point, he accidentally ignites one of his latex gloves, <laughs> which which promptly melts onto his palm. He yells in pain. Then he gingerly holds up the finished product. Some approximation of a P, followed by a C for Piccolini Cascino, burned into the top of a hamburger bun. Fuck. <laughs> he starts wrapping the whole thing up with more aluminium foil, then compacts it and then wraps it some more and then squeezes it again. Suddenly he stops. Can you actually put foil in an oven? I say, yes, yes, you can. But what you absolutely cannot do is put foil in a microwave. He says, cool, cool. And then he goes looking for his oven, which he's never used before. And this is a nice house. So there's a lot. There are a lot of options. And the one he settles on, well, it looks like another microwave to me. Yep. <laughs> he, he assures me it is not. I reckon probably 10 minutes. He puts the aluminium sphere, a little pillow, into what he thinks is an oven, but I think is a microwave. <laughs> he, then <att> <laughs> just, he then attempts to turn it on. I actually knew how to do this before. I literally did this yesterday and now it's just impossible. It's, it's going to look like I can't cook at all. He fumbles with some more buttons. Oh, oh, oh. He says excitedly now, a thousand watts. There you go. Proudly, a thousand watt oven. Famously, thousand watt oven. <laughs> <laughs> Proudly, he's walking back towards the count counter that his phone is on when behind him, <laughs> a lightning bolt erupts from the oven slash microwave. <laughs> and Pattinson ducks like somebody outside has opened fire. He's giggling and crouching as the oven throws off stray flickers of light and sound. The fucking electricity. Oh my God, he says, still on the floor. Then with a loud final bang, the oven slash microwave goes dark. In the silence, Pattinson and I both stare at the mysterious piece of machinery built into the wall behind him. Oh, yeah, I think I have to leave that alone, he says, sighing, <laughs> picking himself up off the floor. But that is a Piccolini Cascino. <laughs> the bit where um the bit where he writes fucking excellent. The bit where he writes like um uh 
yes, you can put foil in an oven, but what you absolutely cannot do is put <laughs> yeah. foil in a microwave. And then he, he's like, he goes over to what he thinks is an oven, but what I think is a microwave. Reminded <laughs> yeah. me exactly of that. Um, I played The Boys Are Back in Town until I got kicked out of a bar yeah. article where he's like, so I well absolutely written. 100% am not going to play The Boys Are Back in Town as I punch the buttons to select A Boys Are Back in Town, which I had no right. It's like the same exact tone of... <laughs> Authorship, I really like it's it. It's really good. Um, should we? Have you got any beef and pleasure for the week? I do. Um, I'll cover it quickly. Actually, relating uh, to whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, sorry. We got to start the theme music. Here it yeah, comes. I had, a, I had a good segue, but we'll segue <laughs> oh, really? after the theme music. Okay, right. Well, here it is. Beefness of Pleasure, of course, the segment where each week we uh, kick back and tell you what we've been doing while we relax and watch movies and th- 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 things that have got to do with the podcast but aren't for the podcast. Yeah. They're now for the podcast because they're in this bit, but they're not to- this, this week they're not Total Recall. Hmm. Andrew, what have you been watching that's not Total Recall? Or Robocop. Um, or well, Robocop. in relation to uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog film... Oh God! Uh, I watched something that you uh, recommended to me, which is the yeah. Middle Ditch and Schwartz stand-up specials on Netflix. Um, <laughs> right, your biggest pleasure last week was that you watched half of the first ones, <laughs> right? And Ben Schwartz uh, is the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. There's the segue. So. Middle so Ditch we're not explaining Schwartz. it again, otherwise this will be the third episode in a row where we explain what it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Middle Ditch and Schwartz, it's a, um, I'm going to give it 25 words or less. So it's Good. long form improv done by uh, the guy who voices Sonic the Hedgehog and the main character of Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. And they've been doing improv for fucking ages, like maybe 15 or 20 years. And they said, basically, they that... that um, as you, I think you mentioned this last week, but yes, uh, improv comedy tends to be pretty, uh, like, yeah, pretty pretty low on the rung and generally doesn't have the same prestige that normal stand-up <laughs> does. And At so, least among the Australian comedy scene that we, we I watched an interview to. and they've both voiced that perspective as well. And so, that was yeah. one of their motives was that they wanted to show that actually improv can kind of have really yeah. well, be, be really I, elevated. I think it's interesting because you ha- you have uh, uh, institutions in the US like the uh, UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, and um, all these like sort of comedy theater amateur troops where pe- people join them and sort of work their way out. They're kind of like a Cambridge Footlights type thing, but mm. um, in America, these like troops where people go to sort of cut their teeth at comedy, and they have a lot of like improv ones of that in the US that right. I think we sort of don't have here. No, um, and certainly like I-, I wouldn't even know where to go to find a live improv show. <clears throat> no. Um, so yeah, so, and so this you, is you finish those then? A, yeah, and a lot of improv is like eight or nine minutes, maybe. That's like pretty long still. You know, often they're like really short little sketches. These are yeah. these go for an hour, and they take audience suggestions and then base their entire hour off the audience suggestion, which is really impressive. Um, it's some of the funniest s- comedy 
I've seen. How good is it, man? In um, I'm, yeah, in, I'm in glad years. you liked it. Like they're really, really good, and it goes to. My favorite thing in, uh, I think, podcasts and almost any comedy media as well is when someone breaks character and they kind of let you in. (laughs) They let you in on it. Um, I really love when, like, I'm listening to a podcast where the hosts are, like, paralyzed by laughter. I'm okay with, like, (laughs) I'm okay with, like, a minute-long laugh break. You know what I mean? Yeah, And I feel like my favorite moments in this are when um, stuff has to stop and that they kind of, like get distracted or they have to like check they're like i think my character name is i like when they fuck the names up. like yeah. i think my name is this and the other one's like that is absolutely not your name <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or like yeah, someone yeah, yeah. one of them like gives this prompt to the other one that you can tell they really don't want to go with and so they kind of <laughs> like they're like oh, okay you know yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. So that was really great, and yeah, um, an, an absolute joy to watch. I really, uh, really. I'm glad. I'm- if you're in the mood for like any sort of performative comedy that's not like a comedy movie, um, I would this. I, I'd recommend this as your first port of call. I think it's uh, one of the funniest comedy specials I've seen in yeah, fucking absolutely, ages. It's so- absolutely. I I really enjoy watching stand up, but for me, this was uh, in real time impressive. Yeah, um, it's so good. Middle Ditch and Schwartz, get on it. Really this is funny. The third, literally the third week in a row that we've mentioned it. Yeah, but I yeah, think it's yeah. worth it. It's yeah. so funny. Um, <laughs> so I also rewatched uh, the uh, no Spider Man and uh, Into the Spider Verse. Uh, yeah, right. And that holds up, and it's really good. And uh, I cool. think there's a sequel, maybe for that coming out at some point. Um, I can't remember if I'm making that up or not. There's a sequel for fucking everything. So that'll be a sequel. Yeah, surely I'm, 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 if, if there is, it's an animated thing. It's not going to come out for ages. Yeah. And I maintain that that's maybe the only Spider-Man thing that's been worth watching yeah. in the last 20 years. Um, <laughs> uh, 10 years. But yeah, uh, it's, it's good. So if you haven't seen it, it's one of the best animated films that's come out in recent memory. Yeah, cool. Um, I watched a bunch of stuff this week, actually. Right. Um, following in from I my, don't think we uh, really need to go into a head. <laughs> yeah. Following in from my housemates' um, education slash indoctrination into Australian cinema. The Castle. We watched, yep. We, yeah, so we, yeah, we watched The Castle a few weeks ago. Uh, the new... We had a double feature of Australian movies last Friday night. We watched Strictly Ballroom, which okay. I think is one of Baz Luhrmann's first movies, and it was fucking excellent. It Never holds up. It. Oh, it's great. And then we also watched uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which also holds up. Okay. Um, I, I got halfway through that one and I've never finished it. Well, of the two, I think that Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is definitely the slower of the two. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like if you've ever watched the Blues Brothers, the Blues Brothers feels like quite a slow comedy. Famously I feel like haven't parts, really. Well, I... I feel like maybe the Blues Brothers is one of those movies that gets a good rep because people's dads liked it, that kind of thing. And yeah. I like it, but I feel like... I don't know. Maybe it's hard to sort of watch from modern. It's not maybe like a Hall of Famer, yeah. I listened to a podcast recently where they were like, why the fuck is this movie famous? I think it's great. In any case, I think Priscilla has moments of it that are quite slow as well. But for the most part, there are these great uplifting bits and the dance sequences are brilliant. They get Terrence Stamp to play it. Um, to play a drag queen, which must have been an incredible get and for the Hugo time. Hugo Weaving, yeah. Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce, they're all, they're all brilliant. And I think it truly deserves to be considered as like a... A staple of Australian cinema. Yeah, but cool. Strictly Ballroom, I think, is the less well-known one. And it's one that we watched because my housemate uh, is into like dancing and that as well. <laughs> so I thought, you know, we should watch. And fuck, it's great. It's got this sense of melodrama about like taking... Um, 
It's basically about this this dude who's competing in like the state championships for ballroom dancing. Yeah. Um, but everyone takes it like fucking hyper seriously. It's like life or death types decisions are like, who do you choose to be your partner? And like um, local celebrity from around the suburb needs her new partner. And so they're like, Scott, you've got to get, t- if you don't dance with Tina Sparkles, I swear to God, it's brilliant. It's hard to describe like the, the super serious. There's, um, I feel like we just, we talked about how, um, Commun- the community's Dan Harmon is yeah, funny he takes because he gets a, crazy. an absurd premise and takes it very seriously. I feel like this kind of reminded me of kind of reminded me of that. It's it's yeah. funny and it's sort of a bit of a, a bit of a piss take of like eighties uh, nineties Australian culture. Um, but at the same at the same time, it, it does a really good job of like really indoctrinating you into like how important it is to make sure that Scott picks the good the best dan- the best dance partner for his. Um, uh, I haven't said anything very coherent. In the last three minutes, and I'm quite aware of that. Um, <laughs> I think it's been okay. What? So it's got what? It's got a classic scene. It's it's got the classic scene where like the girl takes off her glasses and she's immediately like ten times hotter. This, oh, this is, is like that a, where that's This is a from? movie that's. This, <laughs> I don't think it's where it's from, but it's definitely got one of those in there. Right. Um, it's got Bill Hunter in it, who is that Australian actor that's in fucking every single Australian movie of all time. Uh, I think it's worth seeing. It's got okay. uh, all sorts of brilliant little dance sequences. I think it's it's so it's it's Baz, an interesting Baz example Lerman. of a Baz Luhrmann film because it's not like Great Gatsby, Romeo and Juliet. It's like before he goes a bit too, a bit too sort of bombastic Grand. and crazy. Yeah, because that's what I really can't stand about him is like he he um his movies have this like at the same time as having this like almost arrogant sense of scale. Yeah. Um, his tone is extremely like twee and melodramatic. Oh no, I think well, this is and, definitely um, melodramatic, but I think it's it feels like it's making fun of itself. Like it's it's got like like all the women have the big blue eyeliner and the crazy frilly dresses and yeah. Um, I mean, that all might the guys have just been are wearing period, like. <laughs> It's so. It's so. I feel like the fact that the 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 subject matter is so specifically like yeah, uh, New South Wales regional ballroom dancing championships, it and everyone's be. taking it so fucking seriously. Yeah, it can't like, be that um, earnest. Yeah, you've got like characters who don't ballroom dance anymore because of their dark secret past and shit like that. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it might be one of my favorite Australian films. Okay, it's so good. Um, well, Baz Luhrmann, he's like really, really hit or miss for me because I, I hate when I first saw Romeo plus Juliet, I fucking hated it <laughs> and I still don't yeah. like it. I don't like what it does, but I've come to have like a begrudging respect for it. Like, I really yeah, like, can't yeah, like, stand oh, Australia. Yeah, kinda, yeah. yeah, I really can't stand Australia. I think Australia is one of the most uh, frustrating and boring movies I've ever seen. Well, but I think Romeo I really and Juliet love, has- I really love Great Gatsby. Um, yeah, well, Greg Gatsby's good. I like the Moulin Rouge. That's another great one. I haven't seen it. That he did? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good. I also that's don't really like a- musicals. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I suppose it is a musical, but like, no, I, don't, I think there's a difference between musicals where they're singing the whole time and then musicals where they have like uh, dramatic bits and then song breaks. And I think that I prefer the ones I where don't like both it's the of second those. one. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't um, think there's any musical where they're singing 100% <laughs> of the time, right? No, like there are there are some like where that's the whole point. Like, oh Christ, well, like, I've managed to avoid their existence thus far. Yeah, a, a lot, a lot of um, a lot of lame is is like that. It's like Jean Valjean, what have you done? And they they do like whole sequences where they're having dialogue, but sort of singing. Okay, the dialogue. Uh, okay. I kind of get what you mean, uh, but I yeah, I also consider like the producers a musical, and like I like some of them. Yeah. I like the producers. I like lame is, but um, yeah, there's the man, few and far between. So. I think um, there are certainly different c- kinds of musical. 
There's yeah. some, some that are sort of self-referential and meta and some that are fun and some that are whack. I, I think to say you don't like musicals is like saying, I don't like rock and roll. It's like, well, you just haven't, you haven't heard the right rock and roll, baby. I, you haven't watched the right musical. I frequently get a sense of secondhand embarrassment when uh, the characters break into song. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely it feel makes that. Me like, it makes me shrivel. Like I, 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 yeah. I don't like it at all. And like some of them, I don't know what it is. Maybe like Mel Brooks perfected it. I think Les Mis is like taking itself seriously enough that it just had this like earned sense of gravity. But yeah. like, yeah, man, uh, boy, I've seen some. Um, I, I, n- none come to mind at the moment. But I just remember watching a bunch of musicals where I was like, fuck, I just hate that they're singing. Disney movies do that to me. I hate when they break out in song. Yeah, no, um, I, really I think so strict, Strictly Ballroom's not a musical, but it no, has no, no, lots of Talking dancing about- sequences because it's about a dancing competition. Talking about Moulin Rouge, I, yeah, yeah, this one's not yeah, a musical. Yeah, of course, Moulin Rouge, yep. yeah, right. No, I sincerely think that Strictly Ballroom's great and it's worth watching. Okay. Um, and it's good fun. I reckon you should watch it with people. Like, if you're a Baz uh, Luhrmann fan the- and you haven't seen it, it sounds like it's definitely worth going in on at least. I reckon if you don't like Baz Luhrmann and you haven't seen it, you should watch it. I think it's great. Um, okay. I, annoyingly, the third movie that I was going to talk about is probably the one that people are most interested in, most interested in in general. Because I watched No Country for Old Men this week. Oh um, shit! Have you not I've never seen, seen it before? before? No, I'd never seen it Fuck. before. Fuck! And I really enjoyed it, but I think that I've got to watch crazy. it again when I'm in the right mood for it. Yeah. Because I think it was the right kind of chilled. It's it's it, it's really suspenseful at points, but then it's it's the right kind of mood that I feel like I've got to I've got to get back to it with another mood because I sort of I didn't finish it like. Whoa! I sort of, it's not I, that I kind of like, movie. Oh, okay. I think it's um, I think it's the type of movie where the fascination comes from. Maybe maybe you should watch it again because yeah, like, I think I should. So this is a, a Joel and Ethan Cohen, of course, did this. Yeah, one. yeah, and, and I, it's starring I, I Tommy Lee Jones and Javier Bardem, um, yeah. as uh, like Tommy Lee Jones playing this old weathered cop and uh, Javier Bardem playing this uh, genuine psychopath. Josh Brolin as well, and Josh Brolin. Yeah, that's right, and um. I think what's interesting about it is that it's 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 maybe the darkest film by the Coen Brothers, like their yeah. least funny. Um, I was expecting it to be funny because it's oh the Coen Christ, Brothers and it's no, fucking. It's not right. a funny movie the at thing all. The, the thing where he walks around with the cattle gun, yeah, is so cap- fucking gnarly. Yeah, god damn, it's um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and Josh Brolin's excellent in it. He's They're so all- good in it incredible yeah yeah and it's really nicely shot i think it's such a cool idea for a premise i like this did what it uh, does did do with Deacons the Brothers. do the cinematography for that i think he did yeah um yeah. what he what he what it does do is a classic coen brothers thing where the plot is this crazy screwball plot that just gets more and more fucked the more it goes which i, yeah, I love so it's, it's based on a cormac mccarthy novel um and he actually i think also co-wrote the screenplay um, oh really wow but the i don't know how I think it sticks reasonably closely to the source material, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I haven't read. Oh, the it's book. excellent. Um, I really, yeah, I really Kelly, liked it. Kelly McDonald as well. Um, I forget how strong of a performance she puts in. She was in Train Spotting as well. Um, yeah, right. So, something I really liked about the movie is um, something I like a lot about any crime film that puts like a like an everyman in a fucked situation. Like about the a first krill. season of <laughs> the first season of Fargo does that really well. Yeah, yeah. Where well, with Martin also Freeman's character, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, well, the movie, was. I suppose yeah. it might be. <laughs> um, where you get Mark Martin Freeman put in this insane situation, and you sort of like are forced to think, like, well, fuck, what would you do? And then 
No, I love it. I love it. I, I, like, I think I enjoyed the movie, but I'm going to have to go back and watch it because every single time I mention it, they, I get the same reaction that you did. Where it's like, oh, man. Oh, you're going to love it. And I didn't I did not like it. I thought it was good, but I didn't get that like five-star kind of feeling from it. I think I have to go back and watch it properly. Not yeah. that I wasn't watching it properly. I don't know. You know what I mean. I wasn't I in the right mood for it. I think it's a slow – I think it's a really slow burn. And what's interesting is seeing how um, – seeing – there's no like massive point of like twist and huge revelation in the film. It's just about Tommy. It's yeah. just, you're just seeing Tommy Lee Jones process what it is to come up against this this like a- an evil so fundamental that he kind of questions everything about what he thought yeah. life was like, and to watch Javier Bardem as this like just pure psychopath that's not even like there's you know they don't even attempt to give him some sort of like redeeming quality anytime it feels like he's excusing yeah definitely (laughs) definitely (laughs) really interesting choice by the hair makeup artist i wonder if if, like i wonder how much joel and ethan had that in their heads versus like the hair and makeup artist doing a bunch of concepts and they were like oh fuck that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd like to think it was like they're like it was in their c pile of like <laughs> C grade choices for haircut. Oh. Like, What's this? This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh god, I'm gonna get fired. Or like, it was one of those ones where they're like, oh, wouldn't this be funny? And then the more that they looked at it, the more that they tried other options, they were like, I just can't get that other one out of my head. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, um, good shit. But yeah, it's very good. I think it's as as you say, like it's a really slow burn. And if you're expecting some like big moment of like revelation or like um the climax to be the point that gives you the satisfaction of the whole film, then yeah. it's not that type of movie. And it's also no. not like the other Coen Brothers films. So yeah, I think maybe now that you understand like kind of what it is you might want to give it a rewatch yeah yeah um that's all i got for big for some pleasure cool. i also watched muppet treasure island but i figured <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah figured we'd have to uh, equally as good as the last one yeah muppet treasure island fucking slaps and all the music and it's really good yeah 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 i don't I, I, I haven't this watched is- any muppets movies for like the last maybe 15 years of my life but i do remember what? thoroughly enjoying every single one i've ever seen well, the um the, the Muppet Treasure Island. I know I said I wouldn't talk about it just quickly. This is my, one of my favorite songs in the Muppet Treasure Island. It's this beautiful love song that Piggy and the Frog sing. Uh, Piggy and Kermit sing. The Frog. When they're, <laughs> Piggy and, when they're, and the Frog. <laughs> when they're you forgot the name the, of Kermit. When they're, they're hanging off the cliff at the end of the movie, uh, Kermit plays Doctor. Uh, plays spoiler the, the captain. Muppet's Treasure. Oh, whatever. It's, it's fucking Treasure. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Uh, Kermit. Kermit plays uh, whatever. They're, they're reunited lovers after a decade, and now they finally get the first time they've met together is when they're about to be killed together, and they sing this beautiful love song that is completely shot on by the fact that it's Miss Piggy and Kermit singing. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And that yeah. song doesn't exist in any other in any other version other That's than the like studio the studio version. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We this star and here we are with like Frank Oz doing this goofy ass lady voice oh it's very so good. good very good <laughs> that's uh so yeah yeah I've only seen the one with Gonzo the blue puppet Gonzo is that his <laughs> the name? one with Gonzo <laughs> well where he's an alien and he's from space and he ends that's- up like talking to his mother family oh people. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah yeah no you're right i don't remember which Muppets one that is in but space yeah, that is... or something i think yeah yeah i, I forgot about... fuck i gotta go into my Muppets. that's movie, the main right? one i remember but yeah we were, you we were, were, we were making in... fun of me you knew yeah it was a good description <laughs> yeah no you're right it was anyway um okay so that's the all you then? got yeah let's do yeah. it yeah might be a quick one this week then with this movie who knows might um, be 
So just just uh, just this week, we uh, just recently we had a boys' night. We decided to watch some uh, old night, ass eighties sci-fi action comedies, no yeah. sci-fi action movies, um, and ended up loving them so much that we decided to talk about them on the pod. Um, yeah. We watched two. I think I've got more on one of them than they do on the other, but we watched Total Recall and <laughs> Robocop, which were both directed by Paul Verhoeven and shot in the later half of the 80s. I think Robocop is 87 or something and Total Recall came out in, the, in 1990. 1990, yep. Yeah, cool. Um, I, while watching Total Recall, had that feeling you get when you're watching a movie you were like, fuck, I think I'm watching one of my favourite movies for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. Fuck, I love that movie so much. Um, so I got I got a whole bunch on Total Recall and not much on Robocop because I don't quite remember it as much. Um, okay, well, should we start did- with uh, Robocop then? It's the earlier one. Let's go chronologically. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, 1987. Um, I feel like people know kind of... Or most people would be like passively aware of Robocop as even as like a character. Maybe they don't realize like exactly where it's from. So, yeah. Yeah. 1987 uh, science fiction film. Um, I can't... I, I haven't looked into like Paul Verhoeven's career, but... Um, like if he wasn't super well known before this, this really blew up. Um, so you know, yeah, yeah, I think this was like uh, one of the things that really kickstarted his career. So he did this, and then yeah, Total Recall, and went on to do like Starship Troopers and stuff. Um, his, oh, he's done, yeah, he's done heaps of shit. His films, he's kind of th- this man who's obsessed with um, uh, near near or far future dystopias. Um, and kind of has this really like thematically he's kind of a man after my own heart. I think he's extremely <laughs> like um, anti uh, his films have this like strong anti corporatist um, undercurrent to all of them. Um, the bad the bad people always seem to be sort of like Jim <laughs> James Cameron. Um, the bad, the ba- the main, <laughs> the bad people are always James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, the evil presence in the films always tends to be at least, usually spearheaded by a person, but really is the company. Um, yeah. And so RoboCop is the story of this private company that creates. Um, uh, it's this mega corporation called Omni Consumer Products (OCP), and they sign it. <laughs> they sign a deal to run Detroit Police um, in exchange for getting basically zoning rights to like completely destroyed sections of the city. So they get to rebuild parts of the city, and they also run the cops. Big and company controls the government. Exactly, and as part of it, yeah. um, they build these units that are autonomous and. Um, one of their experiments is that uh, an actual Detroit police uh, officer who is uh, Peter Weller, I think, is yeah, yeah the main character, uh, the, the eponymous Robocop. Um, he is injured in the line of duty and then is, is assembled into this, like, android indestructible Robocop thing. And he goes around. Yeah, right. They, like, um, fake his death. and Right. And so, I guess then the storyline... I think we're probably going to spoil both of these movies because I can't be fucked to think think about whether or not things are a spoiler or not. Um, The storyline is basically just Robocop wreaking wreaking havoc. And then he has like- Well, it's a lot more complicated than that. He has like echoes of his old memory because they they basically take his body as this husk and they say like, ah, he's legally dead. We can do whatever we want with this body. Yeah. Yeah. 
when someone's like, oh, are we allowed to take a dead guy and like reanimate him into this android thing? And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Um, and so then they, he has, so Robocop doesn't remember who he is anymore, and, but he has like echoes of his human life coming back to him all the time. And so yeah, it's kind of about Robocop trying to figure out who he was and why he why he was killed or something. I feel like this is sort of an entire movie based on that. You know when someone in another, like maybe a kid's film or whatever, a character comes <laughs> under like mind control and in order to try and get them to do, to like be, be, be snapped out of it or like broken back into who they were before, everyone has to be like, come on, man, like we're your friends, pay attention, like snap out of it, man. <laughs> it feels like this is almost like a... Film based entirely on that 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 has this like wrapped over skin of well not it's that's that's trivializing it because it's it's a deep theme but like yeah this like sort of like fascist law enforcement um, and hyper privatization of uh, of law enforcement ideals. Well, yeah, something um, I was something yeah. I was really impressed by was just the idea of how high concept the film is for what is essentially like a dumb action movie. This is something like, we talked about for all of Verhoeven's movies. Yeah. All of the shit that is in this movie that is like such a cool idea or such an interesting premise that is just just exists within the world of this one two hour long movie. I suppose it's the same as I suppose, I suppose a lot of classic sci-fi films do this. Like the amount of effort that goes into all the shit that's in Blade Runner or all the shit like even Star Wars, all the stuff that's in that first Star Wars movie. Yeah. All the lore and all the mythology behind what is essentially just like ninety minutes of sci-fi film. I, 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 the same level of like impressive world building exists in RoboCop and in Total Recall call i think where mm. like fuck that's so cool it's so well, interesting all the tech and all the ways the robot stuff moves it reminds um, me of like ridley scott building the building the world of like the alien films how yeah. they feel they have such a they, they you could almost you know the the series spun off almost entirely from the way that the first film looked like it looked so unique and it created this world that was so unique and the sound and the design of the alien and stuff. And yeah, you're right. It feels like Robocop has this that same like powerhouse aesthetic to it where um, yeah. it's such a strong concept that it, it almost like creates its own stories, you know? Yeah, you just want to watch it. It's just so interesting to watch. It reminds right. me a lot of... I think this is pre... We couldn't work out where this was in terms of which one came first, this or Terminator, but there's a lot of Terminator kind of vibes I get from this movie. I think Terminator um, was after. Other than that, I feel no, like- No, no, 1984. Um, so, Terminator was so five years Terminator. before Robocop. Yeah. Right. So, I feel like this is like the next the next step after Terminator. Maybe. Sorry, Someone's 84, clearly seen, three years. Yeah. Fuck. Someone's Sorry. seen Terminator and been like, oh, hell yeah, I can run with that. Um, maybe this was like a, like a theme, because that seems to be a bit of a theme then, right? Of like- James Cameron and Paul Verhoeven both looking at like the big corporations and big big technology that becomes like man's downfall kind of shit. I think um, so. I also think like if if people are sort of familiar with um, Terminator, the idea of like yeah, it is it's a company, but it's sort of um, it's sort of an, a hyper extension of that where that it also has that like fear of the artificial intelligence built into it because and like a fear Cyberdyne, of playing God. Is right, what both exactly. Of the, both people are doing. Yeah, it's almost like that Asimov thing of like, if the robots learn how they can overpower us, then they will. Yeah. Whereas that's not really what Robocop is about at all. I, I, the similarities are interesting, but I think Verhoeven's messaging is a lot more like directly political, where he's just sort of saying, "This is what, like, yeah, this is a little bit absurd, but this is what this is the path we're going down if we 
privatize and more importantly like dehumanize law enforcement if you take the yeah. humanity out of law enforcement this is what happens and uh it's yeah suppose, it's, pretty, suppose, it's pretty we watched it a couple weeks ago but it's oddly relevant with what's right going so watch on this now, in the yeah. context of all the riots in the states <laughs> where it does feel exactly like you're watching people you're watching law enforcement that have no humanity <laughs> You know, yeah. um, it's quite, yeah, kind of chilling actually. But, but this I, film, I think in terms of, yeah, yeah, no, no, I was just gonna, uh, just gonna kind of wrap up on Robocop, I guess. Um, yeah, well, I, I was just thinking in terms of like privatization of corporations and stuff, I suppose, uh, privatization of government stuff and corporate involvement in it. I think that it's, it's interesting to, I suppose he's using this like absurdist idea almost that's like oh imagine if a corporation was so hell-bent on saving money and everything that they built androids out of dead bodies and made them be the policemen and then it sort of like forces you to think more about um how much how valuable it is or how how useful it is to actually have corporations well, in and yeah, yeah militarizing the police like how much how much do yeah. you need uh you know the way that one of the main plot points in robocop is that he's sort of in almost indestructible like you you almost can't kill him and like yeah you know we've got like there are policemen in america that are wearing um military protective gear so that they you know they're trying to make themselves indestructible they 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 roll around yeah. in like tanks and heavily armored vehicles and shit and it's not that different the idea is just to make to make um law enforcement un uninjurable and uh kind of yeah pr pr protect them in that way and yeah. i suppose the interesting part of that is the question of like well what are you protecting them against because most people don't have the ability to harm law enforcement and if the end of the day the the idea is to protect most people then yeah it's just i guess it's a hyper extension of the question of like what do you what's the point of um of um, militarizing the police to the point where they're yeah, soldiers their rather than... What's their function supposed to be? Exactly. I, on, on a lighter note, uh, we noticed while watching this movie that um, the number of... This is a good drinking game if you're watching Robocop. Take oh, a yeah. shot. Take a shot every time someone is thrown through a pane of glass. Yeah, <laughs> it's... You'll, be, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll maybe, get alcohol Maybe poisoning. not a shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe, once, maybe have a big sip. <laughs> once we noticed it, kept noticing it. Yeah. I think I think there's about 15 glass breaks it, in this movie. It's you like might Robocops. not be exaggerating. Like, yeah, they. Um, yeah. I think they managed to get like high quality slow-mo and they just... <laughs> Again and again and again. <laughs> what's the, what's the is it a modus operandi? That's that's, that's what that's that's Robocop's like. Yeah, that's that's his preferred way of dealing yeah, with yeah, crooks yeah. is yes. finding the nearest pane of sugar glass and throwing <laughs> them straight through it, right through it. <laughs> yeah, he even does my favorite part, and it must be making fun of itself. He grabs one guy, and I think one guy ends up going through like three or four panes of glass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he like throws him through to one side, steps through, throws him back through the other side, and then again, it's, it's really. Good. It's like they, it's like the movie heard me because I think I, I commented on like half an hour and like yeah there's a lot of glass breaks like, and then this that is scene ridiculous was the next one uh, yeah it just happens again well, one yeah. thing that one thing that made me smile was thinking more about it's a lot of shots of like Robo watching Robocop throw a dude through a sheet of glass and you'll see it crack and then the camera will cut to the other side of the sheet of glass yeah and you'll see him come through from that side which means they threw the dude through a pane of glass twice of glass. yeah to get, <laughs> to get shots. yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> so that, yep. that counts as two sips yeah for that one well yeah. i guess yeah okay <laughs> if you get the a joke, shot reverse they could have been just running 
two cameras on the no, same no. thing. No, no. If you get a if you get a shot reverse shot of uh, the one pane of glass, and that's that's two shots, baby. Yeah, yeah. Still two drinks, so, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was good. You're right. I, I maybe I didn't enjoy it. I think it wasn't. No, I, I definitely liked it. I just I, I think it depends. No, on, I was going to say case, I didn't like... enjoy it as much as Total Recall, but um, oh, right. I think it's a little bit less fun and like. I think it's maybe yeah. meant to be a little bit less fun. It feels a um, bit grittier. And I feel like maybe yeah. the fact that it's it's set more uh, on Earth in what feels like a sort of more present kind of time. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't feel as futuristic and wacky as Arnold the Arnold Schwarzenegger total no. recall thing is. And it doesn't seem to have I mean, it's obviously got some of the same like kind of like body warping stuff going on. Um I don't but think it, it has much feel... of a sense of fun to it. Well, you know how in like, and we'll talk about this in a, in a sec, I guess, but like in Total Recall, like the, you get those famous Verhoeven moments of like people's eyes, like kind of the prosthetic eyes, like blowing yeah. out of their skulls and stuff. Yeah. There's none of that type of stuff, really. I think it's not like cartoonish in its violence. Well, I, got a, I got a fun fact about uh, who did the makeup and the gore and shit for Total Recall, which I think okay, might cool. explain that. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if it's a, the same as the thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy, the guy from Total Recall is this Robert... Oh, something, something. It's the same guy that did all the makeup in the thing. Yeah. Um, Danny Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. So, well, well, wrapping up Robocop, I guess, and we can talk if there are any similarities to um, Total Recall. Yeah. Um, the it's 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 interesting and it's fun. There are, I think it's better than... Uh, so, there's I like... I got a better than worse than for it as well. Okay. There's like three sequels and then a full remake of this that came out in like 2004. Four, oh I yeah, think. so we obviously watched oh, the more original, recently yeah. than that. We watched the original one. I haven't seen any of the latter ones, but and interestingly, uh, Total Recall also had a very recent remake in the mid twenty tens that was also was good. hot garbage. So yeah. you can avoid any of the modern versions of these films. <laughs> they're not as good. All of the life is sucked out of them, and they're just made to be high definition reskins that have and none of the passion. They just want to make money. So, also, I think for the most part, the effects kind of hold up with with Robocop. I well, think that's the effects- probably practical versus like, yeah, they they would have gone all VFX in the new ones, yeah. Yeah, well, the the only the only scenes that I had a problem with with Robocop was the bit where they have this giant mech. Uh, oh yeah, and it's like fucking thing, actually stop, stop motion. motion. It's so yeah. goofy. Yeah, but that's that's the, only, that's the in, only sequence that I had an issue with. And and I'm assuming you mean across both movies, right? Because I think there's no, none I, I of mean the in Robocop. Yeah, there's no, there's, yeah, there's no stop there's motion. There's no goofy in Total stuff Recall. in Total Recall. It's like it's only been three years, and he seems to have like completely dismissed that yeah. goofiness. And it's all. I mean, it's prosthetics, but they're. They're cartoonish, but more believable, which is kind yeah, of funny. There's a couple like there's a couple sequences where I'm like, that's obviously a model head that they're exploding. Right. The, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, the 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 stop motion actual big RoboCop in um, RoboCop reminds me of the Terminator Three from Terminator the, or the, whichever the Terminator is from Terminator Three. It's like the first version of a Terminator that gets made is like this huge yeah. tank robot thing. So I wonder yeah. if they he drew a little bit of influence from that. Um, and incidentally, the first the original Terminator movie has a bit of goofy stop motion in it as well. <laughs> so oh, must it have does been too. Like, That's right. They must have been fucking relieved when they finally didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah, they yeah, finally yeah. worked out ways to stop doing that. But um, also my- back then, you know, people's brains weren't as used to it. So I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. that it just would have been much more immersive than it is to us. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe they just yeah didn't didn't 
didn't think about there being an option for it to be any better than that. Yeah, well, no one had um, ever seen something of, that looked better than that. So yeah. Speaking of Terminator and things being better than other things, my better than worse than for Robocop oh, yeah. while we're doing it is um, I think that Robocop is better than, better than Terminator 1. Yep. Worse than Total Recall. Okay. Just because um, we're here doing doing Total Recall. I think I really liked... To, I think Robocop is very much a Terminator 1 kind of film for me. I, I think that it's... Just because of the how much more fleshed out the world is, I think I enjoyed it a lot more than Terminator. Terminator feels like a very small scale kind of story. And they do, they do do the future and past kind of stuff, but I, I still, still think Robocop's a, a small, solid movie. I think I preferred Terminator. Um, but I'm not sure if I preferred Terminator to... Total Recall, that Terminator and Total Recall would probably be on par for me. Um, but yeah, the I think Robocop Terminator. sits below. Yeah, but I think but Terminator Two is like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, one of the best movies ever made. Um, yeah, but oh, you think Robocop's better than Terminator Judgment Day? Oh. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> the uh, but but yeah, I think Robocop is you know, I mean, it's earlier work of his, so I think it just doesn't quite have the same. Uh, <laughs> finesse behind it maybe yeah um, right but it, it, you're right it's also going for a grittier story um and so yeah, yeah. it just isn't quite as much fun so yeah yeah anyway oh, okay well, so um, total, total recall. recall yeah yeah right so this is a uh, 1990 stars arnold schwarzenegger it is essentially about a dude who is like a construction worker on earth in a futuristic time where man has also established a city on Mars. Well, this could be fun. Do you know when it's based? Is it based oh, it's in probably a... Probably something like the futuristic time period of 2005 or something. 20, 2084. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so, we better be on Mars in like 60 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so there's like, a, there's like a metropolis on Mars. And he yeah. lives with his wife, Sharon Stone. who, who He lives on uh, Earth, right? He lives on Earth and he, yep. he has always wanted to sort of give up his boring construction job and go live on Mars. And he's like, Sharon, we should go to Mars. We should live on Mars. <laughs> um, she's like, no, nah, I'm not into it. Um, and he, he sees an ad on the subway. There's like several times when he's on the subway and sees an ad for something and he's like, I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets all his, all his ideas from the TV ads on the subway. Yeah, uh, he, he sees does an away ad for- with the, um, the midlife crisis. Like, <laughs> I'm making a choice to do something without asking yeah. my wife or anything really fast. Yeah, yeah he's like straight. Shit. Someone's like, escape your uh, bureaucratic nightmare. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, so, so he's... <laughs> We're doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression in fucking yeah. 2020. <laughs> choking on a biscuit. <laughs> um, he sees his ad for a service called uh, Re- Recall. I think it's called... Uh, where. Yeah. No, t- t- I think it's Total Recall total. is the phenomenon where you remember shit, whatever. He sees this ad for the service called Recall where you go and instead of paying for a holiday, you can pay for the memories of a holiday to be implanted in your head as if they were always your own memories and you can like customize them and decide where you want to go. So he says, fuck, yeah. if my wife won't let me go to Mars, I'm going to have pay- hot sex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pay for. Oh, you mean in the yeah right? <laughs> I'm yeah, going to yeah. pay for the memories of a Mars holiday to be implanted in my mind. Right. And when he go- this is only within the first act of the movie. When he goes to get these memories implanted in his mind, um, they find that there's that the memory people have some sort of issue with his mind, and things go wrong. So 
they like, oh, we, we don't want to have to deal with this. Someone's clearly messed with this dude's head before and so our memory implanting things aren't working. So we're just going to wipe his memory of ever having come to this recall place and dump him in the next cab home and fucking see you later. Santa and he way, starts yeah. and he starts to... Um, he starts to have these weird, like, matrixy, like, I can do kung fu kind of movements. Yeah, on his way home, he's attacked. He's attacked. And, and he, uh, oh, the memories that he picks, he, he picks to be a secret agent on Mars. Yes. Which I think I failed to mention. Yeah, because they're like, um, oh, you, you can pick to not only go on a holiday from Earth, but go on a holiday from yourself. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't want anything like that. And I'm like, no, you could be like an actor or a sports star. He's like, oh, secret agent. Yeah, make me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want she, any funny business. No funny yeah. business. Oh, no, secret agent. Yeah, yes, please. Secret agent? Yeah. <laughs> and so then he starts to. If you don't like Arnie impressions, just, just tune out to now. The end. Um, <laughs> The short, the short way of the, the synopsis that I'm rambling through is that he gets a video message from himself from the past where he finds out that he really was a secret agent working on Mars and mm. he was captured and the government or whatever evil forces that captured him wiped his memory and implanted him memories of being a construction worker with a boring life on Earth as a way of getting rid of him. And they're like, cool, now that you've like finally started to get a few of your memories back, bro, this is p- past Schwarzenegger talking to uh, new Schwarzenegger with yep. the construction worker memories. Hauser, yeah. Hauser, yeah. Um, I've got this like whole contingency plan, all the, everything in this briefcase. It's that a, my, it's a great moment you. of like, you don't know what's going on, but here is exactly what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. I to really love memories, that in movies. It's good shit. It's like to get your old memories back of your life as a secret agent on Mars, you got to go to Mars, get your ass to Mars. It's this movie. They get, you, yep. get your ass to get Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. And he's got to go to this hotel and give these cards to these people. And he's got all these masks and disguises and, and things. It's like, and that's check in. That's how the movie starts. This room and like you've got passports and shit. It's really good. good it's like shit. I feel like the Bourne movies do that a little bit. Yeah, um, it's like a 1980s sci-fi Bourne. Yeah, but I can't. Uh, and and it's used in a bunch of movies, but um, it th- that is almost enough to make me want to go and hunt down movies that do that and find yeah. like the best example <laughs> of it and watch that one because I love that shit. That's such a good I moment. Sp- I suppose this is a good example. It's, that, that's a good way of describing it because I was getting kind of the off, Matrix off track. Is, he's he's basically one of the best Jason, ones, but yeah, where he, like Morpheus is on the phone with Neo and guiding him through the office. It, yeah, it's, and it's so good because he's like, I know exactly what's going on. You know nothing. Just you almost have to like follow the the literal words as they come out of my mouth. You know? Yeah, yeah great. So I, I suppose anyway. that's a good way of describing it. Is that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is basically Jason Bourne. Yeah. Well, he doesn't remember who he was, but apparently he's a secret agent. So there's all these weird coincidences about the fact that he wanted to be a secret agent and now he is. So you're like, oh, maybe those were like subconscious desires in his mind to get back to his current life. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so Sharon, so it turns out that he's only been in this secret agent fake life for like the last couple weeks. Mm. And um, Sharon Stone has been pretending to his be his wife. wife. And there's this, yeah. there's this awesome fight scene between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sharon Stone in their apartment. Um don't have to go through all of it, but that's basically the plot. And he ends up going, that's ends the, up going to Mars and take, yeah, take, taking on this, uh, the, the corporations and the government, the companies and all this shit. Um, my favorite thing about this is, again, just all the world building and all the amazing effects that are in this film. It's so fucking impressive what he's managed to pull off with little to no computer animation. Mm. Um, yeah, the set design is really great. I feel like there's some um some maybe like drawn backgrounds that really fill in these like expansive regions of Mars and um, Yeah. But regardless there's heaps of map paintings, there's heaps of scale the models, it, yeah. dude. 
There's yeah, heaps yeah, of scale yeah. models that are like four times the size of like a kitchen. Like they're fucking enormous. Right. They're these huge landscape models that they built like model trains and everything to run through. To run through. That's sick. And, and all these big cities and things. There's, there's, I, I watch all this, all this making of shit about this. There's oh, yeah. um, lots and lots of sequences where the camera zooms in on stuff in a city or it slowly zooms out. The, one of the best scenes that all the special effects people are really proud of is a sequence where Arnold Schwarzenegger is on, on this like Mars train through the Mars landscape going to going to the city from the from the shuttle that drops him off there. And the camera zooms from the subway through the window of the train and outside right. and then sort of s- swings up and up and up and up and up and sort of shows more and more of this landscape. Which like the these days would be a drone shot and visual effects. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, exactly. But then it's already, the, so the trains come through this, ca- through the window of the train and then up and it sort of zooms out to this, this huge landscape shot showing this tiny little train as it goes into a mountain and then the camera swings over the mountain to the other side of the mountain showing this big Mars city. Right. Already an insane shot, but apparently the way they did that was they constructed the same model at lots of different scales and had to cut between the different models at different times Seamlessly. to be able to convey the right senses of scale. For a lot of these model shots, some wow. shots that took a couple seconds, they filmed over the course of several minutes to get the right exposure, uh, to get the, an accurate looking depth of field. Yeah, because wow, if they crazy. wanted like a really tiny aperture to get a really long yeah, depth of field, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. landscape, yeah. Um, oh, that's so cool. Which is cool. Um, the way they did that shot with the train is they had a model train Listen, so with you, a tiny. You, that's probably like that might have blown by you, um, but that is a <laughs> fucking sick <laughs> fact. That's cool really fact. cool. Um, the, way, like, the way they did the shot with the yeah, model train. God was they got a model train with a... Pro- the window is like a tiny projector screen and they yep. got a tiny projector in the model train. Fuck. And they filmed the shot of Arnold Schwarzenegger in this train on a set in fucking Mexico or something. Yeah, yeah. And then projected that onto the inside of the train window and then, like, filmed the model train. Panned back. God. Panned back. And they had to do all this stuff where they didn't have a model big enough because it shows the model train whizzing by all this stuff. So for the first few seconds, the train is stationary and it's the set that's whizzing by. And as the camera pans out, they then start the train going. <laughs> all sorts of crazy shit that you'd never think about the logistics of it where they're like, yeah, we that's didn't have nuts. a model that was like 400 meters long. So we- good shit. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, that's really crazy. But like the more you, th- I, w- I went back and watched the movie again yesterday and the more you know, like the- all-, all of the shit you see is it has to be models. There's no computer. An- yeah, you know, there's yeah. only, there's one piece of com- computer animation in like the whole movie. And once you right. know that, it's it's fucking mental. All the stuff, <laughs> all the rest of the stuff they had to pull off to to make this movie. It's so impressive. Yeah, and similar to what we were talking about with the thing, there's a lot of um, uh, gory type. Yeah, not body horror, but that kind of yeah. No, gory I, I type think stuff. it is body horror type stuff. It's just not a oh, body horror film, this, yeah. right? And but also just the yeah, like the effects of like decompression on human bodies and stuff, which happens a couple of times. Um, yeah. and like there's always. Yeah, People, uh, yeah, exactly. People that are different, like mutations of humans or whatever. (laughs) That all that stuff somehow manages. Like so much of this eighty stuff is goofy as fuck, and that that guy who whoever you were talking about that also worked on the thing. I can't remember the practical effects artist's name. I know it's something like something like, but it's not like Robert Carson. I think uh, right. Um, But he is 
a genius. I would I would yeah. put him almost on the same level of like the crew that built the alien suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In terms so of how they managed that- to like make something just look. Like it, yeah. it, you would never think that it looks. It doesn't look real, but it's so yeah. in keeping with the world that it's filmed in that your your disbelief is completely suspended. Yeah, so it's like whenever you see a whenever you see a head explode or like a hand get cut off and crawl away, it's this dude that like built that robot hand or, or built like that some, prosthetic some head strange full of jam creature. and shit. Right in in <laughs> the um. Yeah, in in the thing, like he's responsible for all of those shots of like people's hands, the ha- famous shot of the hands going through the chest and then biting the hands off and stuff. Yeah, really, um, really crazy. Really ho- I think a lot of it looks goofy, but I think a lot of it holds up and is fun to watch. My favorite shot yeah. in this movie is where Arnold has a prosthetic head mask over his own head, and he he's disguised himself as this large woman. Oh yeah, Christ. and then when he takes it off, the the mask sort of comes apart in several layers, and yeah, he pulls yeah. it off his head. It that looks so shit distressing. Looks, that shit looks so good. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's really because like I don't know, you know, that happens in um, Mission Impossible. They do a few of those like mask yeah. peel off things, but they don't look, they don't look like they, there's no horror to it. It's just, <laughs> it's just like someone peeling off a latex mask. It's so boring. <laughs> And this is like someone also peeling off a latex mask, but the way it looks like his face is fully coming off and then sort of underneath yeah. it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and like, obviously it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, but um, there's, there's, there's so yeah. many cool little ideas in this like that though. Like the idea that when, uh, when he gets this briefcase of like in- instructions for himself in the past, um, one of the gadgets he gets is this bracelet. Yeah. Um, that creates a hologram of himself like five meters away. Yeah. Which he can yeah. use as like a decoy during gun battles. 500,000 video games have used that as a power up now. Oh, man. And there's all these there's all these great sequences that they had to film using motion tracking camera rails to do those sequences where he could play both him and in the hologram. Oh, that's sick. Right. So you yeah. do a double exposure where you have the camera do that, track one path and you're in one spot and then it yeah. tracks another path and you're in the second spot and it exposes over both. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so the, all the tiny little things, like when he walks into the receptionist's office and she's painting her fingernails with this like color changing fingernail stuff, oh, all the yeah, video that's call right. things, the Johnny cabs being these robotic AI cab drivers. All, yeah. It's this huge, it feels like a living, breathing world that he's created for this like tiny two hour long movie. I fucking love it. And um, what's really cool is that it's not just like, I think stuff like, you know, you, you bring up the idea of like a Johnny cab there, but the idea yeah. is let's get the human labor out of that undesirable job. And that's almost exactly what's happening now. Like we're looking at uh, autonomous taxi services, you know, like it's like 30 years ago, he was like, that's where we, that's where we're heading, you know, and we might not build it in the same. We don't actually want like some humanoid thing sitting in the passenger seat, but we're (laughs) heading for no people involved, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I, I just think it's uh, interesting. He doesn't, even though he's got these, like, sorry, even though he's yeah. got these um, brilliant and outlandish ideas in this film, he still manages, I think, to have the same level of, like, social critique that he does in something like yeah. Robocop that's a lot, like, more dark and kind of gritty. And all the world building and all the details that he adds for shit that's not really relevant to the actual story, I love, and it really get, helps you get more immersed. Like, all the, all the, interpersonal like political type uh, arrangements that he sets up on Mars and the Mars colony are really interesting yeah. where um, the corporation that's in charge of the colony that's like the, the government there um, sells people air to breathe right. yeah 
Um, which um, which happened recently in, um, and in, when they in were Delhi. <laughs> Fuck, there, uh, there's Jesus. oxygen uh, bars now. Yeah, Christ. Uh, and, and when they were first starting up the colony, they got the poor workers to build the foundations of the colony. And those people have now developed genetic mutations because of the radiation. Yep. And so there's like a whole which like subclass it. of... There's a whole subclass of humans that live on Mars that have all these genetic uh, genetic mutations. Yeah. Um, uh, this this is this is the movie with the the triple breasted lady. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we, have we got a nip count? I reckon it's like maybe maybe eight well, or it, nine. It stands stands a chance of being an odd number. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Way more than and not just because of the uh, not just because of the artistic shots, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. Um, all all these tiny little details that he adds in for seemingly no reason, but that really help to sort of flesh out the world of the movie are fucking excellent. Just like mm. um, all these little details about like how civilization works and how how people get by on a daily basis in this interesting world that he's created. I fucking love. Yeah. So something that I think is worth mentioning is like this film. So this film made a shitload of money. I think Robocop did as well. They were both like quite successful. Yeah. So Robocop like more than tripled its budget i think it almost quadrupled it this one similar deal um yeah they received very middling reviews both of these films um the metacritic at the time for well not at the time but like the metacritic adjusted now is like a 57 out of 100 for i wonder whether with the metacritic films though whether they go in and add all the old written newspaper reviews and things well, they're not modern reviews. They're, they're reviews of the time, I think. Um, okay, right. Yeah, it's. Uh, but it's that they they regardless like received generally mediocre reviews from yeah. critics, but were audience darlings. Um, so, like for example, uh, Total Recall had an audience average grade at the time of like an A minus on an A to F scale. So, like quite positively reviewed by audiences and quite negatively reviewed by critics. And I really feel like this is one that the critics kind of got wrong. Um, I, I think a lot uh, yeah. of fucking people, I, I think a lot of people don't get Paul Verhoeven and, uh, <laughs> and they kind of, even with like Robocop, there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of criticism at the, at the time that the film was fascist and similar deal with Starship Troopers, which he would later go on to do. I'm kind of surprised that he did another thing <laughs> that he was, <laughs> that was like even more in the direction of criticizing fascism. Cause like if he got hit with that criticism out of Robocop, like then you look at Starship Troopers, which is about <laughs> like colonizing another planet with a fascist military yeah. force. He's, he's like, far- he's like, oh yeah, I'll, sh- I'll fucking show you fascists. But- but he's like, yeah, exactly. He's like far left, right? So that none of his films advocate for any of this stuff, but they were criticized for advocating it because it represented it. And, and also on like a baseline level of like video games cause violence, man. Like um, the yeah, few films are yeah, quite yeah. gory and violent in a way that in a Tarantino-y kind of way where he's he's having fun with the violence. Right. And uh, some Definitely people say, oh, they're glorifying violence or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that just, I don't think he's, glorifying violence at any point in time um and he's certainly not glorifying the thematic the 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 themes of like corporatization or fascism or anything like that at no point are you supposed to think these worlds that people are existing in are good like they're fucking dystopias so i don't (laughs) know i i was like i thought there are some 80s movies that i've seen that when you consider that they were like received reasonably well at the time, but they kind of haven't aged particularly well, especially in their like themes, um, because yeah. they're so shallow or whatever. 
Um, I don't know. It's not from the 80s, but like Speed, for example. Speed is a fun movie. It really is about a bus that won't be able to slow down <laughs> because otherwise it blows up. It's really about that. And so, like, I feel like... um. I feel like at, if you go back and, like, look at how that was reviewed at the time, it's probably like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a little... It doesn't probably hold up as well. But these films got fucking slammed by critics. Like, I, I don't know how this that is not a five and a half out of five movie. I no, I'm reading, like, meta- I'm reading like quotes contemporary- and stuff. No, I'm on the Wikipedia article. And, like, the... Yeah, okay, it, that's a it, shame. It just... Critics that knew what they were talking about gave it good sto- good scores, but a lot of just, like, run-of-the-mill critics, like I said, I think they just really didn't get what he was trying to do. Uh, how could Paul Verhoeven want an underclass of mutants? How how could he want that? It's literally that type of stuff. It's like people, you know, like liberals at the time reviewing his uh, reviewing Robocop and being like, "This is a fascist movie." It's like, are you kidding me, man? You couldn't be. You wouldn't. You'd struggle to get something more anti-fascist in the larger mainstream. Yeah, but he's depicting, at the time, he's depicting fascism, Andrew, which is supporting it. Yeah, I know. It's just fucking. Oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, pe- people anyway, are morons. Don't uh, the the main point of me bringing that up was just if you're thinking about going in on these movies and you look up how they like how they've scored that is not They're reflective so of the quality yeah. of these movies they're really I think good total total, recall, total recall might be one of my favorite movies it's so fucking and it's, it's so fun, fun enough to watch that oh, i feel like yeah it's so fun and every scene has a new little bit of future tech that's just so much fun to imagine yeah. and look at like the, like it's i know it's pretty and it's got like, a little bit of that now. back to the future magic too where you're kind of like yeah. oh, what did they what did they think it was going to be like even yeah like know, they've got um they got like yeah. the windows that are actually TVs that you can change to be whatever view you want yeah which um, i reckon we're not far off <laughs> oh, oh no good shit excellent excellent shit mm. um, and this is a bit spoilery so i suppose if we wanted to have like a two minute sealed section yeah um skip forward like two minutes yeah no uh, no it's gonna end up being longer than that <laughs> <laughs> um, the fun uh makes you think part of uh total recall is towards the second half the therapist and his wife come and meet him on mars and like it's kind of like uh, wake up, wake up, Arnold, wake up. You're still in a dream and you're still in a spasm on the on the bed of the memory clinic back on Earth. Yeah. And he's like, what should I believe you? <laughs> um, and the therapist, the therapist like appears to him on Mars and says like, everything that you've seen where you think you're a secret, secret agent um, was since you came to recall. It's yeah, part of the obvious- implant. Obviously, yeah. dude, you're hallucinating it. Like, you asked to be a secret agent on Mars and suddenly you're a fucking secret agent that's had his memory wiped and right. you asked to encounter aliens and hot women and now you're on Mars with aliens and hot women. Yeah, dude, this is a hallucination. What are you talking about? Fucking wake up. Take this pill and wake up. And um, Sharon Stone, who tried to kill him in the kitchen before, is like, honey, I miss you. I'm your wife. I love you. Come in the fucking... Mm. And so... The- and Arnold ends up shooting both of them in the face and <laughs> running out of yeah, the hotel yeah. like, no, fuck you, I'm a Hell secret yeah. agent, I'm Dude, on a mask. Yeah. You're, trying to, you're trying to trick me. Um, and then the movie never clarifies whether or not um, it is a hallucination because the, yeah. the therapist, Arnold goes like, why should I believe you? And the therapist goes, well, if you kill me, if you kill me you'll now, never, if you ignore what I'm saying now, you're never, never going to wake up yeah. from this delusional state where you think you're a secret agent on Mars and this is just going to get crazier and crazier um, mm. as you descend further into your delusion and it does like as soon as Arnold shoots that dude in the head the wall crashes in with like a, like, like a SWAT team of yeah, like six it's, it's dudes it's really cool yeah 
And I fucking love that for the rest of the movie, you're watching it like, oh, fuck, is this real? Is this not real? Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a great old time. I I, I think watching it through a second time, I think um, it is real. I've decided it is real. I thought it was all- real. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. how I read it. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like it's, I feel like while you're watching it the first time, it, it, it's, it feels like it's way more in doubt as to whether it's a hallucination or not. But going back and watching it a second time, he's like, "Nah, dude, it's real. Dude, it's real. Yeah, 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 it's real." Yeah. All right, sealed section done. Bam. Uh, un- we're unsealed again. Oh no! Look, can we seal again? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what did you What did you think of the, the 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 There's like so many twists in this, and the the final sort of twist ending uh, being that Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, like Hauser was manipulating himself the whole time, sets himself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that. I thought it was like just in case you thought we hadn't pulled the wool over your eyes, we we kind of have, but it didn't feel like it was. Um, it didn't feel like it was deceptive. It was just like, oh, damn, betrayed by me. It's like yeah, that meme where the cool. guy's pointing the gun at himself and he's like, trust no one, not even yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, 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 end, the end of the movie, people that don't care, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger finds out that uh, past Arnold worked for the evil corporation and they worked out that the only way to ins- like uh, get into the, the Mars Rebellion group would be to deliberately wipe Arnold's mind and make him think that he was trying to get his memory back, whereas actually they were like setting up and like playing four-dimensional chess the whole time to make sure that memory wiped Arnold could go and like ins- get in- get into this rebellion group. Yeah. <clears throat> oh man, good shit. And I feel like the more I describe this movie, the more I sound like I'm a fucking lunatic. It's, no, it's, it's, hard, it, it's, it's a pretty complicated plot. And like also, you know, while we're while we're still in the resealed section. Um, <laughs> The idea that, like, the actual goal of the corporation is to... what What is it again? It's, like, they need to keep this reactor... There's this reactor that's, like, alien technology, right? And That can make air for free. It makes air and, for like, free. And, like, terraform Mars. Yeah, and then the... Um, the company can, would lose all its profits from the, the yeah. air that it's selling people. And so they yeah, need to like the, keep that yeah. under wraps. The whole world is in a dome that they've built and they control and they sell all the air that gets into this dome. And so they make yeah, more profits right. if they don't terraform Mars, even though they yeah. could for free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's, it's like when you really think about it, like, yeah, you've got this kind of like um, born identity type plot going on over the top of things, but like, the yeah. stakes in the Born Identity are like, oh, maybe he'll be killed. The stakes in this <laughs> are like, maybe there will be a class uprising, <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, it's it's definitely still, you know, it's our good old mate Paul. Um, yeah. But I, that's what I mean by he's like kind of, he's really infused this with some fun, but he hasn't yeah. sacrificed like how biting the social commentary is either. Um, yeah. And I think that probably gets a little more ironic in Starship Troopers. So, if you were curious, Pat's been trying to make us watch... We watched this with a friend <laughs> of the show, Pat. I can't remember if we mentioned that or not. But um, Pat's been trying to make us do a Starship Troopers episode. So, if you like Total Recall, maybe you should go in on Starship Troopers. Maybe and I should, do an yeah. With Pat. yeah. I've got the DVD kicking around somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Watch it in glorious it's, 720p. It's, it's fun. Ever, ever since you told me that DVDs are 720p, I feel, I feel yeah. really sort of cheated by it. Yeah, I know. It's now you Now you're watching me like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks um, really bad. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a better than worse than for Total Recall. Might be one of my favorite movies. I think I thought Total Recall was better than Blade Runner. <laughs> the original Blade. Better nah, than the original Blade Runner, I thought. Nah, definitely. Better than, better well, than definitely Blade Runner. You, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't really have much of a worse than. This might be one of my favorite sci-fis I've ever seen. It's, it's so fucking great. 
What about like awesome. you? You really like the Bourne movies, right? Is this better than a Bourne yeah. movie? Better than your favorite uh, Bourne movie? Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm like I'm like the world. I've got a super fan, but I like the Bourne no, movies. You've just yeah. spoken fondly of them before. All right, maybe you don't yeah, like maybe, the Bourne like, movies. Maybe Whatever, worse than man. J- yeah, sure. Maybe worse than Jason Bourne. Yeah, better than better than Blade Runner. Worse than Jason Bourne, but it's different. I think Which one's Jason-, Jason Bourne? Is that the first one? Oh, Jason Bourne's not any of them. It's like better oh. than the star- better than the Luke Skywalker s- Star War. That was- <laughs> um, the yeah, Bourne you know how when you refer to it one. that way, you sound really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the Bourne Identity is the first one. Okay, I, they're right. all they're all sort of like one big long thing. I don't I can't separate them in my head. But the, yeah, the, the Bourne okay. Identity is pretty good. Sure. Um, I would put this up there with like the Bourne Identity, but okay. this is more of like a high concept. I liked all the high concept world building type stuff in this. Um, yeah, I, I don't okay. see this very much in movies. I think this is very much up there with a Blade Runner type. Uh, type sci-fi movie where it's uh, everything looks real it looks it holds up you just want to spend like forever in that world right okay i'm i'm looking at um like other 80s sci-fi movies i think like yeah god this is i just really like 80s sci-fi i think um, it's fucking great i'm having a great you, old time you might be right that this is better than the first terminator it's not better than t2 um but I think it, it it doesn't quite. I mean, fuck, it might be better than the thing. Um, yeah, the thing's also heaps of fun. I think it's better. Than, I think it's up there with the thing. I think I yeah, think it's up there yeah. with my favorite 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 eighties sci fi that I'm slowly slowly becoming more and more a fan of. With the thing. Yeah, I like um I like Blade, Blade Runner. Runner more than I liked this, but you know, um I think they both have a lot of like. All right. Well, then, how about we do together? Robo- Robocop and Total Recall are better than Terminator One, worse than Blade Runner. That's our official better than worse than for both sure. of these movies together. I'll, I'll um, I'll meet you halfway. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm meeting you halfway. That's what meeting you halfway means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No. You're not coming halfway. I'm coming I'm halfway going to halfway. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, all right, let's wind I'm, it up. I'm, I'm half as much halfway as you are. That's yeah, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm meeting you three quarters, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Um, we aren't, I think, again, we're not sure what we're doing next week. Nah, so no idea. Have a look in the show description and hopefully we've decided by the time we put this one up. Have a look in the show description and tell us what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let us know. Um, you actually can let us know if uh, you've got a suggestion. Uh, you can email us at beefstationpod at gmail.com. There's the Facebook group, Beef Station Beef Posting. That'll probably be the best place to... Uh, voice your opinions and suggestions. If you got any, um, other fa- any, any other favorites of eighties sci-fi? Yeah, there's know. a few I that I haven't f- seen. Fifth Element is nineties. I haven't. I think it's really, next on my list. I haven't watched that. Yeah, and there's a bunch I, of I other. Have, yeah, just weird ones. I want to go back in on the Back to the Future series. I haven't watched those since I think yeah. I first watched them. The Abyss is one that I've really been meaning to check out. There's so many here that I thought it would be sort of ironically good or like I only went in on Total Real because I thought like, oh, yeah, this will be a bit of fun. Not knowing cheesy. that it's like sincerely good and yeah, cheesy, but I didn't know yeah. it was sincerely good, not cheesy and did hold up. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to yeah. uncovering more and more of those. That's probably all the time we got there, right? Yeah, I think so. Thanks we're for joining us on Beef Station for a little week. Today. <laughs> I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See you later. Bye-bye. Oh, almost.